United States submarine base at Key West, Florida. They dispatch that quoted President Truman's press secretary, Charles Ross, as saying that President Truman has no knowledge of any secret project by this government that would give substance to the existence of such objects. Ross also said that both the Air Force and the Navy deny that such objects exist. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome back. Here we are, Esoteric America, coming to the people with just the co, just the little uh, tongue twister, just the co-hosts, just the three, four of us, three cameras, four, four brilliant people. Just the four of us. There you go. We will make it if we try. (laughs) A musical accompaniment by Roman Merrill. And, of course, he's the host of the Rising from the Ashes podcast. Uh, you can also find him with a bunch of great stuff on his Patreon, a bunch of solo content there. Uh, you can also find him somewhere and maybe on your local corner selling some homemade incense and other things. Uh, <laughs> we also have Chad here. Chad, the man behind Stargate Detroit. What's up, Chad? How are you today, bro? Hey, guys. Doing awesome. Looking forward to show tonight right on i was really inspired by emily moyer last week and i've been going down the rabbit hole ever since so looking Mm. forward to seeing what you guys got to share tonight and showing you what i got to share Mm. right and uh as we in this new platform idea that we're going to be that we're going to be pulling off i really 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 am enjoying this concept well and i was just about to say you know for people who might not have caught that part of the last episode we are going to be doing four episodes a month, hopefully, and three of those episodes will be with just us four going into the research, whatever town or city we choose, maybe even a route, maybe a river, maybe a mountain. I mean, we're really not uh, specifically set on just, uh, what do they call them, uh, regulated city zones, right? Like we could we could take this into more abstract territory as well. Um, but anyways, today we're going to look at Austin, Texas to continue all the fantastic things that we found that Emily shared with us on the last episode. So <clears throat> can I get into the history, guys? You want to say anything before we get into this? Break it off, man. Cool. Cool. So for people who don't know where Austin is, obviously it's the capital city of Texas. You may find out as we get on earlier uh, or later on here that Austin, Texas wasn't always the capital of Texas. But what's really interesting is humans have been living in this area, specifically on the Colorado River, for 
thousands and thousands and thousands of years. Some of the oldest archaeological finds are actually in Travis County, which is a part of uh, the county that Austin is a part of. So it goes back, some dates go back over 11,200 years. So 9,200 BC. Uh, They've studied the Galt site, which is near Georgetown and Fort Hood. And they've also studied the, um, it's called the Balcones Fault, the Balcones Fault. And I guess there's been a bunch of archaeological digs. There's also an amusement park called Wonder Cave, where uh, maybe the early, early inhabitants would have lived inside of this cave and along this fault line. Uh, It's interesting because the Wonder Cave is called an ancient cave it was formed thousands of years ago um and i think one of the dam projects actually went and flooded this area uh but that dam didn't hold up for very long but anyways before european settlers arrived in the area of austin there were a couple of different tribes the tonkawa tribe inhabited the area the Comanches and the uh, Lipan Apaches, a certain group of Apaches, were known to travel through the area. And then some of the first Europeans were Spanish missionaries who originally settled in Austin but found San Antonio more suitable. But the Comanches are kind of interesting. They have a whole sort of lore around them being kind of fierce. Uh, Some propaganda says they were uh, cannibals. I don't know how true that is. Um, But they're a particularly rough group of Native Americans, and so are the Apache, right? Like the Comanche and the Apache both have, like, big reputations for being tough and warriors, uh, at least in the history we're given. Uh, So I don't know. I thought that was kind of cool considering Texas carries that spirit through with their bravado. You know, Texans have a a definite sort of uh, machismo about them, right? And uh, it's funny I use that word because most people probably know Texas was once a part of Mexico. It's actually been a part of six different nations, hence the... um, some of the designs that we'll see later on when we look at the Capitol building. But the, I was found it kind of disappointing that they didn't recognize the Native American peoples in that sixth seal. Um, I think the other monuments on the state Capitol probably reinforce this uh, assumption that maybe the people of Texas at that time didn't consider Native Americans civilized, right? So they probably wouldn't have considered their, you know, people a part of any nation, unfortunately. But the Tonkawa uh, tribe exists today in Oklahoma, so they've you know spread much further than where they initially were from in that Colorado River area where Austin now sits. And another interesting thing that I found is in Gregory Little's Mound Encyclopedia, he talks about the southwestern extreme of the mound building culture being in this general area maybe not specifically in austin but there are mounds in texas Uh, i wasn't able to to look at the map and see where they are in relation to austin but 
Uh, maybe once when you guys <clears throat> get on with what you have to present, I'll look that up and concur. But yeah, I, I think Austin has a strange kind of um, history considering that uh, Houston was once the capital of Texas and it was sort of disputed over whether Austin or Houston would be the capital. Um, they have had capitals of the Texas Republic in over four or five different areas, one of them being Galveston, Texas, which is on the coast. And I think that was this Galveston little like tangent I took warrants a whole episode in itself because Galveston aside from having a giant blue pyramid it seems like it has pretty important history as well so I wasn't able to get mm. too far into Galveston but before we go too much further uh, I just wanted to point that out that Austin Texas has not always been the capital of Texas uh, there's been several different places where they had a capital for the different groups that ran Texas. Now, uh, where Austin currently is used to be known as Waterloo, which is interesting because Waterloo is a Dutch word and it it correlates with the area that Austin is. It, it means like a shallow river in a forest, right? So uh, that's probably what Austin looked like when they founded it. And as I said, they selected Austin. Um, it was disputed over. And the original planner of the city of Austin based his plan off of the Philadelphia city plan. And I'll, hmm. I'll share my screen and show you guys a little bit of what I just talked about. Back it up with some images here. Hopefully, um, might be difficult. Because when I share my screen, it won't record. So everybody listening, just hold on a second. Everybody watching, just hold on a second. Bear with us here. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I mean, just a side note, too, while we're getting this ready. Galveston. Uh, yeah, I found some stuff in Galveston, and I was like, oh, we're sticking to Austin, but... I found some interesting stuff and, and lo and behold, Texas in general is full of juice, like full of esoteric juice. And uh, I'm excited to get into more of the regions at a later date. Yeah, for sure. So we have <clears throat> my first slide up here. Can everybody see that? Mm -hmm. So this is sort of the general, yep. general, um, estimations on where different groups of native americans live up in the sort of can you guys see where my pointer is yeah the um this is where those pyramids would have been which is not you know texas is huge so to say that's close to austin is kind of a generalization but uh in comparison to how far it could be it's relatively close right mm -hmm. so mm -hmm. this where the tonkawan name is along the Colorado River. I think Austin's somewhere in this area. And uh, yeah, those would be the major groups that were here before Texas and became Texas. And, and I think this is extremely important, you know, because some of the most esoteric history is the Native American history. It's some of the most fascinating stuff too, as you probably no, if you're a listener of this show, we like to focus on the mounds and what they mean. And uh, the Cadoan civilization, 
that I think this is a Trinity River or something that they were near. Um, I don't know what that says right there near where it says Neches, but uh, they had mounds that looked a little different than what we would consider like the Ohio River Valley mounds. Like these kind of looked almost more stepped, like they had steps. Uh, oh, ziggurat style? Almost, almost. It was more like a thatched roof even like it wasn't a complete step as much mm. as it was like a, a diagonal uh, line but yeah it is it is definitely definitely uh, something that i don't normally associate with texas right mounds so certainly qualifies as esoteric um let's see as i was saying here's the the seals we have the kingdom of spain first kind of mm -hmm. making its official presence in Texas. We also have the Kingdom of France. And it's interesting, French, they, they didn't really stick around in Texas that long. They sailed down the Mississippi and set up a fort. And I think Spain or maybe even the Mexicans kicked them out. They had some kind of war. Uh, the French didn't really stick around that long. Um, and then Mexico, obviously... Um, the Republic of Mexico lasted for a little while in Texas. I mean, the Alamo is probably mm -hmm. the most mm -hmm. famous um, battle from that time period, right? The uh, Alamo was a group of Texans from the United States and some were from Germany, some were from other countries who were fighting against the Mexican government. Um and then we have the Republic of Texas, the Confederate States of America. Obviously, Texas became part of the Confederacy during the Civil War. Uh, but before the Civil War, it was a part of the United States. So uh, that's kind of, I don't know, ge geometrically tantalizing the symbol. You have like the double five-star, uh, five-pointed star. You have what kind of looks like a teddy bear. I don't know what that is right there in between the two wreaths. Maybe it's a skull and crossbones. Can you zoom in? Um, I might be able to zoom in. Let me see. Even if I zoom in, it doesn't really help with the clarity. But, um, yeah, no. I don't know what that is. We'll have to find another picture of that and, uh, and look in, into it further. But, um, yeah, before I go too much further, here's the basic rough uh sketch so to speak of what austin looked like in 1839 um here's that city plan i was talking about you see it's based mm. on the philadelphia city plan specifically how philadelphia is built between the delaware and the schuylkill river they built Austin right in between the Shoal and the uh, Waller River, which Waller was the guy who drew this map up on the left. He's the Edwin Waller is the city plan surveyor guy who created this map that you're looking at on the left hand side, and sort of you sort of see the similarities in the grid, but I think the major similarity is the fact that 
he situated Austin in between two rivers. Yeah, not as big as the Delaware River, but definitely rivers, two rivers. And I think esoterically, that is a theme that we're going to see with a lot of these mm-hmm. important cities is that they're situated uh, on rivers. So, um, yeah, and then we get into the Capitol building. So I'll stop there until we start talking about the Capitol building later. But, um, but yeah, what do you guys think so far? Did you guys dig up anything about the Native Americans? Any Anything to add, Tara? Tonkawa massacre. Gotta talk in the microphone. Um, just that there was a Tonkawa massacre. Hold on. Uh, Are you sharing your screen, Roman? Oh uh, yeah, for whenever we're we're ready. I was gonna rip Go on ahead. some. Hold on. <clears throat> For some reason, the Zoom meeting isn't coming up on uh, on OBS on the recording. Hmm. I didn't get much into any uh, a lot of the indigenous history there, though. I know it's incredibly thick. Like some of the just main archaeological stories of the peoples of. Uh, let's call it ancient Texas, uh, date, date back to, you know, tens of thousands of years, you know, saying that, um, people of Asian genealogy crossed through the Bering Strait, found their way in Texas, um, and inhabited the lands for tens of thousands of years. And some of like the oldest archeological digs that we have, uh, in, in North America survive in Texas. And that is kind of the story um, that they even give on just the Austin Wikipedia page that some some remains were found there specifically. But that was kind of interesting. Mm. Um, I did. Uh, I got a couple. Uh, is the screen sharing good? <clears throat> yes. Oh, okay. All right. So this is um, the Shoal Creek Indian Massacre site. Oof. Brutal. Shoal Creek is a microcosmic view of all the trials, tribulations, and peculiarity that assailed the Wild West during its heydays and painful years of expansions. Along the banks of the stream and urban watershed encompassing more than 12.9 square miles, you can dig out all sorts of salvage tales and unearth all manner of sinfully uh, pernicious stories. It is a place coursing, not with any tributaries, but with links to the frontier passions that drove Austin into what it is now. The creek is noticeable for notable for its links to the history of Austin and Texas, and for the plucky ghost haunter. It is also famous on accounts of bizarre stories and paranormal incidents. The creek and its regions are an esoteric focal point for some of the Providence's most iconic and active specters. A history of Shoal Creek. A detailed description of all that has happened along the creek would need, at the very least, a couple of blog pages, a lunch break, an attention span of an academic professor, things I doubt normal readers of this blog have in abundance. With that in mind, I'm going to whiz by and give you a flyby of all the naughty bits of historical events and dastardly dales that called this place their own. 
Arrowheads confirmed that the area was inhabited by Native Americans way before the arrival of Europeans. Artifacts uncovered telltales of the tribe discord and gang dispute between different factions of natives that go all the way back to 9000 BC. Near Old McCall Spring, just west of the street now called Balkan's Trail, that's how archaeologists designated a zone that was once an ancient Native American burial, a Native American burial mound. In 1838, settlers lived along the creek's mouth. They were an offshoot of the Dewitt colony. What Austin was previously called Mirabu Lamar, the second president of the Republic of Texas, was one of its most famous residents. The settlers were continuously harassed and haunted by Comanche warriors. Many lost their lives during this period. 1850, after the Civil War, General George Armstrong Custer, commanding the 2nd Wisconsin and 7th Cavalry, was assigned to Austin. They were a peacekeeping force meant to enforce the edicts of the Reconstruction Era. Custer's men camped out on the banks of Shoal. A great deal of them died of cholera, uh, cholera and some of them are still buried pronounced, by the creek. It's pronounced cholera, Roman. Oh, that's right. That is right. Cholera. 1890 rumors surfaced of a buried Spanish treasure that was hidden in the area. The region became a bustling hive of of activity and hundreds trespassing to the different properties that called the creek their home. Home invasions became a fad and dozens of persons were violently killed during the treasure hunt. Split Rock between 29th and 31st Street became a hideout for outlaws and desperados. It was one of the best cubbyholes in the West. In 1956, numerous cottages were set ablaze by pyromaniac, and to this day, the identity of the arsonist remains a mystery. Um, the Shoal Creek, Shoal Creek Indian Massacre. In 1839, against fair warning, a farmer named Gideon White decided to build a home close to the banks of Shoal Creek. And even by then, the place had a sinister mojo to it. He just felt that something was off. By then, the creek had a reputation. A couple of years back, Mrs. Sarah Hibbins, who had been captured by the Native Americans when crossing the Colorado River, was chased by her captors through the tributaries of Shoal Creek. When they couldn't recapture her, the natives disemboweled her husband and tossed him into the creek. To say the place had bad juju would be underselling the madness. Anyway, Gideon and his family went and moved into their newly constructed house. They're found... They found their bodies three years later in 1842. His corpse had been beaten to death by a passing band of natives. Um, but here's the kicker. When they started digging a grave right on top of where Gideon's body was killed, the neighbors came up on a shocking sight. There was un an unearthed mass grave right under their feet. Previous settlers, the majority of the graves were victims of cholera and yellow fever. But the first few bodies, the ones on top, showed signs of violence. Shoal Creek, given us some of its historic, historical factoids, it's nothing more than a den of demons and devils, the literal type. There's a scenic running uh, and biking route that runs right near the, where Gideon was killed. The thing is that the trail is closed right before 10 p.m. This is rather uncommon for public lands. Authorities claim that pedestrians are not permitted inside for their own safety. Many think it's because of the inordinate amount of supernatural activity. Shoal Creek has been the site of numerous documentaries, series, and reality shows about ghosts and the like. YouTube is flooded with videos claiming to have caught some of the restless spirits that haunt this place. So is that about oh. the whole the whole river or just one part of Shoal Creek? 
just one, one specific part of Shoal Creek where uh, right where the house was built. Okay. And I, I don't like how they how much they, they bash and brutalize the natives in a lot of those stories. So obviously there's a lot more going on there than, you know, white people getting disemboweled by natives. Um, but that was the story that, that I found on, on that. Um, so anybody listening that lives in Austin, I'm sure you're well well aware of of Shoal Creek. Mm. Well, I definitely think the fact that Texas was a part of the Confederacy made a big impact on the narrative that's given about the Native Americans. Um, I mean, there is this sort of like tendency to equate them with Stone Age people because of the age of the the archaeological sites that are found and then make the assumption that because the people had the same general tools and um you know things found with them in that very far time period as they do maybe even as recently Mm -hmm. as the 1500s there's this assumption that oh okay they didn't develop any technology they didn't evolve uh, the same way the rest of us did which i think you know first of all you can't just make an assumption like that without being there. It's it's something uh, sociological can't be you know based purely on physio- physiological or physical evidence, right? So uh, until until we have a time machine and we can go back and see how the Native American culture actually was, uh, you know, we can't really say that they were you know unevolved or backwards. And unfortunately, that's kind of what we get from some of these, um, you know, like plaques and stuff that commemorate certain areas tend to take the focus off of the people and more on the land or even on the person who discovered it or the archaeologist who discovered it, right? They tend to emphasize them over the people. It's just, I mean, it's subtle, but it's definitely noticeable. Um, one, One really old find in texas within relatively close to austin in a suburb of austin cedar park they found the lee anderthal lady which uh you know neanderthal lady lee anderthal lady um and i don't think that uh like the idea that this was a neanderthal like that's a vestige of a type of archaeology that's now probably considered somewhat racist, you know, uh, because of like that tendency again to to think that all the Native Americans were backwards and Stone Age, and so I mean, who knows if this was found today, they might not have even called it the Leanderthal lady, but this was discovered in the in the eighties. And it is in Texas. So, yeah, I I think, you know, nothing against people in Texas, but it is it's like kind of evident when you go to the state capitol that, um, you know, there's a Confederate element to the Texas culture that can't be overlooked. It's definitely had an influence. It definitely had an influence Mm -hmm. during this time period when a lot of these things were unearthed. Right. So no doubt. Let, Let me let me touch on that, too, because when we get into the founders of um, before we go into like the capital state stuff, just to give a little bit more backbone on the, on the history of the town um, and some, another building and, and stuff I wanted to get into is the university of Texas in Austin. 
that is where I came into a lot of these like name syncs. Um, like what I mean by name syncs is like generally a lot of times when I'm looking into the histories of towns, like when I was really getting into it with Florida and all these other places, I would find that people just had the same name and a lot of times the same initials and it kind of blew my mind. I'm like, why, why are all these, uh, these people's names like the same? Uh, and I'm sure there, there's a, a reason to it that isn't so crazy or mysterious. Um, but, but it is, it is in fact a thing. So, um, I'm not going to just read these, uh, word by word here, but I do want to share with you guys the, um, just the, the pages that, that I'm pulling this, a lot of the sources from. This is Elijah E. Myers is the guy who was the architect for the Capitol building. Um, so this is Stephen F. Austin, and this is Moses Austin, Stephen, Stephen's father. Moses Austin uh, was a, a avid miner, and he uh, wasn't from Texas originally. They were up from... Uh, they were, they were from up north, and they had quite a lot of success. Uh, they were in the lead industry and secured a land grant from the Spanish government. Later, after... Oh, let's look at this picture. Where is it at here? Oof. Okay, let's find it right down here. So that the Adams-Onus Treaty, which really struck me um, because it just looks like Adonis... The Adonis Treaty. Adonis plays a big role in uh, theological history and um, occult history as being one of these like high appreciated, like it, not necessarily a creator god, but I've heard of a lot of um, like Adonis worship in different occult circles. So I don't know. What do you guys think about that? I, I kind of saw this and I automatically, my mind went Adonis. Was he connected to that, that swan story um, myth about the, the swan that gets turned into a, a man, I think. Um, Adon uh, he's like directly connected to Adonis is directly connected to the other Greek uh, goddess with an A. Oh, goodness. Come on. Help me out, guys. Athena, Aphrodite. Aphrodite. Aphrodite and Adonis were almost interchangeable after a certain point. Um, so I'm not, I'm not super familiar with that story that you're talking about. Oh. That's, that was just my guess. Okay, cool. Well, either way, um, that's, that's something I thought was interesting, and, and, and it kind oh, of ties in here later with some Moses. of the Greek Moses Austin was born in uh, Connecticut. What are the odds? Yeah. Okay. So that's where it was. I forgot where he was born. So you can go on Masonry Today. It's a Freemason website to find a lot of famous Freemasons in history. And here it has Moses Austin's um, information because he was a part of the Freemasons, right? And and back at this time, you know, for people to remember, like it, they said that there was about one in five adult males were a part of a secret society. Wait, that's how on. common. That's how common it was at this point. This guy time. was this guy was was his father, not his brother. Yeah. 
Yeah. So okay. he, so Moses Austin was putting in the work, right? They basically had to evade the town that they were living in due to these debts. They had a lot of debts that they worked themselves up to, even though they had a lot of money from the lead industry. Um, they actually had to evade town to avoid going to jail. They had to flee the area to avoid jail. Uh, <laughs> and Austin, Moses Austin fled to what would one day be considered Missouri and the upper Louisiana, which was controlled still by Spain. Mm. And he was still looking to get into the mining business. And he surveyed many of the mines in that area. Um, and if finally in 1798, he was given a land grant by the Spanish government in exchange for his declaration of allegiance to the Spanish crown. And then in 1803, um, Missouri became part of the United States after the Louisiana purchase and Austin would become the principal stockholder of the Bank of St. Louis. And then the panic of 1819, the first financial collapse of the United States, uh, which is almost <laughs> hilariously exactly one century before we would start finding that same exact thing happening to the Great Depression just a, a couple of years before. Um, and so after that, and he found himself broke yet again, Austin turned again to the Spanish crown to remake his fortune. He traveled to Spanish-controlled Texas and sought out another land grant, this time to create an Anglo-American colony in the region. So you got to imagine, right? Like after already failing um, in the lead industry and getting a land grant by the Spanish crown, then that falling under, then getting another land grant. The guy had a lot of sway. He had a lot of push. Um, and he had to, he obviously had like a lot of friends because the, in order to get two land grants and get given multiple opportunities. So Moses Austin actually eventually passed away. And then his son, Stephen F. Austin, who was actually known as the father of Texas, it's literally what he's known for here, being the father of Texas. Um, he uh, he is <laughs> he was the founder of Austin. He basically was who it was all it was all dedicated towards. Now, well, he and didn't he found also, he didn't found Austin. He didn't found it. He was they named Austin after him. I don't know if he was even involved in Austin ever because I don't know if it was around when he was alive. Does it say that? I mean, it sounded to me uh, like yes. they just yeah. Named so it he after he him. was he was a part he was a part of it uh, okay. um, because he was he was alive. Let's see, he was born in 1793 and he died in 1836. So yeah, I guess it was still technically before it all. Uh, but he was such a large. Him and his father played such large political roles in basically being the founders of modern Texas in a sense, like. You know, in the sense of like they had their family legacy and a lot of money and political sway into these things. And so this is a it's a pretty deep story. Um, but what a lot of the thing I was getting into is that they. Uh, <laughs> we were talking about, um, you know, like Texas being like part of the Confederacy and then. uh I'm going to stop sharing because I'm, I'm kind of getting distracted. So they're being a part of the Confederacy and George, George Hamilton and another George Washington. There were two George Washington characters, George Washington, Washington being the middle name, not the last name, but obviously a homage to one of the nation's 
most famous Freemasons. Um, they had a lot of tiff when they were starting the University of Texas about like separating the school from race. I mean, they, they weren't even allowing black people to be a part of the college, obviously in the very beginnings of it. And they, um, the Brown, uh, Brown versus board, which happened in Texas, not at UT, but it happened just up the road. Uh, and other TIFs were basically like the Confederacy stronghold was in this Texas schooling system by saying, hey, you know, we, we're going to have segregation and we're going to keep slaves. And a lot of the people who they considered regents, and I had to look what this word regent meant, but it means like in control or you're in a, um, you're in a position to create decisions at that time being. So you'll never get put on for being the the president of the school, you don't ever get put on for being the person who created the school, but you're a regent. So you you funded $18 million to this university, but you're just a regent for a time being. So technically you're not really a big part of history. And I think that's how they were able to sweep a lot of these um, supreme racist political beings under the rug by them never actually being a part of the board, but being a part of, being a part of the regency who funded the entire school anyway. And so yet again, just like a, a lot of other places, you know, that have a lot of death and um, a lot of these types of energies tied to it, um, slavery being, you know, one of those energies, you have a lot of paranormal uh, and ghost sightings all throughout Austin, all throughout the college, all throughout the Capitol building, even I found, and a bunch of other, and like the, like the creek sides and everything like we, like we discussed earlier. Um, but I'll stop for now. Um, because my mouth is very full and I'd, I'd like to digest this information. Well, I'll add to the Stephen Austin thing that he um, helped bring slavery to Texas. I don't know if you mentioned that there, or not. There we go. <laughs> but, uh, but yeah, I thought that was sort of important. And he also um, imposed on the Kara non Karan Kawa people, right, who were some of the earliest inhabitants of the area. Um, they were attacked by Stephen Austin and his gangs to uh, sort of solidify his land grant that he had on Austin. So there was the Skull Creek Massacre. There was the Tankawa Massacre that Tara brought up earlier, the Shoal Creek Massacre that you described Roman and uh yeah it was definitely um a betrayal the Karankawa felt like the Spanish were going to help them and uh and or no I'm sorry the the Karankawa disliked the Spanish just as much as the Texans did so they're like hey what the heck we're on your side and <laughs> um yeah so a lot of bloodshed filtered through the the land uh and into the creeks into the soil of texas uh, but it's kind of interesting that moses austin comes from connecticut because there's a guy tara just reminded me a very famous um architect named henry austin from new haven and he designed a bunch of the important buildings in new haven he also designed some stuff in middletown connecticut and in new york city so i don't know if they're related but you know those kind of names tend like the fact that he has a new england name uh, is 
kind mm-hmm. of telling, right? Because there's a bunch of these old New England families that went on to control the rest of the country. Uh, here we have, you know, this guy Moses Austin pleading to his son on his deathbed to start uh, a, a settlement in the Spanish Mexican mm-hmm. territory, and he does. He he fulfilled his father's wish, but I wonder if uh, him being from Connecticut maybe inspired him at all because many people don't know that our Connecticut charter inspired the Constitution. Um, Connecticut almost fell under New York's power during the pre-revolutionary days, but we hid our charter from the British agents in a oak tree. And when the revolution was starting, we were like, hey, let's use this uh, some of these laws from our charter. We've we've governed ourselves for over 100 years using this thing. So, uh, And that guy was around in Connecticut at that time. So I don't know, Texas maybe owes a little bit yep. of a thank you to Connecticut for giving it some of that rebellious uh, FU independent <laughs> spirit. I don't know. We kind of have that here too in Connecticut. But uh, anyways... I feel like I feel like Texas, and this is obviously complete speculation, but I feel like since it wasn't necessarily a part of the United States at that point, they were like, we can go still hold a lot of our, you know, we can go have slaves, we can have sugars, uh, sugar crops, we can have huge crops, we can get this because it's still part of the Spanish, and the Spanish are complete bastards. <laughs> By the way, um, sorry about it. Uh, the conquistadors are not my favorite group of people. Um, but I feel like, you know, there's a huge Masonic influence between, uh, or there, there's that there's that tie between the American Masons and the different, like, organizations that were tied to the Spanish crown and mm-hmm. the money and treasures that were tied behind that. So I feel like there's a lot more we can really pull up when we're talking about the, this, this history of Texas. Um, and well, we got, we so got, the, the, we got next week's episode too. Right. So, Oh, oh. Um, when I was looking into the history of San Francisco, I was like trying to find who, the actual city was named after. And I found that I had multiple, multiple answers. And so I was like, okay, who, who is this? Who is this St. Francisco, you know, um, St. Francis, just to give an, and it is, you know, St. Francis, right. Of the CC was one, one the, of them, the, but the saint who could was, speak to animals, you know, St. St. Francis is the, he's the guy who, yeah, right. He spoke to animals. He was a friend of everyone. Like St. Francis, uh, among the saints is probably one of the cooler saints in my opinion. Follow he was the heart. Really, really sweet, nice guy. Mm. <laughs> oh, sorry, Tara. Go ahead. Go ahead. No, I was just saying in this deck that I have, the Ascended Masters deck, he's the uh, follow, follow your heart. Oh, card. Uh, you know, yeah. uh, and that that being said, that you know, San Francisco still built upon on massive uh, shell mounds by the indigenous people and completely desecrated the waterfront where it was a rich full of sea life but point i'm getting at is there there's multiple stories of just where the name came from and saint francis of assisi is absolutely like one of the number ones but that being said there's still conflicting stories as to where the name came from and uh it's not necessarily the case with austin right because we have moses and stephen austin but austin itself uh etymologically comes from the name augustine Mm. 
and uh, St. Augustine of Hippo, we know, is a huge um, culprit in the conquistadors in the Spanish uh, Spanish world. Uh, St. Augustine being one of the first cities founded in the Americas was was a was a Spanish colony, right. and so I think there's. It's funny that there's you know this this Spanish uh, strong stronghold on Texas and the history of Texas, but the family that that founded and got paid homage are the Austins. But Austin is a direct correlation to Augustine, which is a direct correlation to Saint Augustine, who is a um, one of these saints that is held in high regard of of the Spanish conquistadors um and i still have yet to find any like major threads on that but mm. just etymologically speaking it's right in line and then it's funny that the austins are the ones who found themselves down there getting the capital of the of the state named after them yeah named after him and that so that's a fun one yeah i should also mention on the point of the charter oak um austin has this place called the treaty oak which was uh according to legend a place where the Tejas tribe would meet um, the Comanche also and the Tonkawa. They considered the grove of 14 trees a sacred sacred area. Um, And although they never hid any documents in it, it is a part of like Texas history in a big way, uh, these trees, Um, because Mr. Austin allegedly met Native Americans in the Grove to negotiate and sign Texas's first boundary. Um, And then this was all because two children and a local judge were killed in Indian raids. (laughs) So, Uh. uh, you know, that was the violence that broke the camel's back. Well, let's not look at all the massacres that the Austinians did to the Native Americans before that. Um, But anyways, yeah, so I think that's kind of interesting that the oak tree um, has this kind of presence in Connecticut and Hartford as like a major oh. symbol of, of like, uh, mm-hmm. you know, prominence and, and freedom. And then this guy who's literally from Connecticut's son founds Austin, Texas. And where did, what do they have? Council Oaks, treaty Oaks. So definitely a interesting connection there. Also in 1989, mm-hmm. somebody tried to poison the treaty Oak. Oh, wow. You found it. So some, some weirdo, I guess it turns out it was a lovesick <laughs> occultist tried to poison the treaty oak. And I think I, when I first heard about this, it was like a weird, I thought it was, had something to do with the JFK thing. And he was like a guy who was really angry about JFK and was trying to stick, but maybe I'm conflating two different stories here. So anyways, Ross Perot, uh, the DuPont guy who funny enough made, made, uh, millions of dollars, billions of dollars probably off of herbicides. He, funded uh the restoration effort to save the tree from <laughs> this uh vandal which is a funny word to uh, you should and shouldn't you be called a, a tree murderer uh arbor arborcidist like <laughs> you shouldn't be called a vandal you tried to kill it the guy gave the <laughs> the tree enough poison to kill a hundred trees so wow yeah it's wow. pretty screwed up what this guy did to, to history who knows why maybe he was a lovesick occultist or <laughs> maybe he was angry about jfk <laughs> i don't know um definitely you got a reason to be angry in texas about a bunch of things i'm sure <laughs> <laughs> 
Oy. So what do you think, Roman? You want to pass the mic to to Chad, or are we going to get into the Capitol building first? What do you think, Chad? Do you have anything on the Capitol building, or should we talk about the skyline first? Uh, I got just a few slides on the Capitol buildings. Nothing, uh, nothing too historic, just a couple points I make with it. So if you guys have anything else on the Capitol you want to show first, feel free. No, go ahead. Well, yeah, I guess if you say so, I'll go first. But um, yeah, I have I have one or two things. I thought it was interesting. Did you guys notice that there's like an underground portion of um, of the Capitol building? Did you guys see that, Roman? Yeah, that, I mean, that's what I got into is the underground rotunda. Okay, cool. Oof. So yeah, maybe I'm getting ahead of you here when I say when I show this slide, but, uh, let's see, hold on. Um, that's crazy actually, because I just want to say this, one of the things, the stories about the hauntings of the Capitol building is the guy who, um, and his name is significant. It was another name sink. The guy who was painting the rotunda actually fell three stories through the glass pane onto his death. What? Um, in the middle of the in the middle of the rotunda dome, like so, he actually died right in the middle. Which is funny because when we look at what these domes are used for, when they're used for burial rituals or when they're used for death rituals, it's actually the energy is supposed to go up and through the rotunda. And so this man who actually built yeah. this specific rotunda fell to his death three stories onto. <laughs> like what oh man this hermetic as fuck dude i love this oh hold on oh this is great mark yeah so it sorry it's kind of difficult to share my screen and then also change it wow. on obs so the audience can see it but you guys just saw it now i'm going to show the audience so you saw there that it's above so below they have this star symbol that has the word Texas around it. Um, and what's so interesting mm -hmm. about it is, I mean, as Chad just said, there, it's underground. It's an underground rotunda. So um, I don't know, symbolically, other than as above, so below, what they could be talking about there, right? Like that's what came to mind for me immediately was as above, so below. Uh, me too, Mark. Chad, yeah, I've, you had that thought too, huh? Yeah, it's definitely yep, it's on my slide just like yours says the same exact thing. Hmm. Yeah, it's definitely strange. I'm going to show yeah, you go ahead and start sharing your screen. I'm going to show this in a moment for people that watching the video. Uh it's like I said, kind of difficult to navigate Zoom and OBS uh and to share my screen simultaneously. If somebody's an expert on this, reach out to me via email. <laughs> But go ahead, Chad. You can start sharing your screen now. Yeah, I'm, I'm getting there. Let's see here. Okay. Tell me when you can see it. should be popping up soon here. Okay, yeah, we see it. Butler Park, and we got this sort of... Okay spiral um yeah. just kind of, it looks just like high point the thing that michael Wan talks about on the susquehanna river didn't emily say that like last episode 
She did mention it, and she didn't get into it much, and I know she has before. Mm. But since we didn't get into it, I just want to point out this park briefly because some of the other things we're going to look at only make sense when you view them from this park and from this exact area. So obviously the first thing you see at this park brought my attention to it was you had this artificial mound with the spiral walkway leading to the top of it. And right next to the spiral mound, you have a vortex looking spiral. That's actually a water fountain. It's a playscape for the children, but you know, very obvious there's vortex symbolism everywhere right here. Mm-hmm. So you see, you can, you spiral your way up to the top of this mound on the top of the mound. There's a big granite depiction of Texas. So once you get up there, you stand on this depiction of Texas and look at the cityscape. And I always like to point out with these fountains, every one of these special parks usually has a fountain where the children play. And this is the the spot where you have your lightheartedness symbolism. There's nothing more lighthearted than a children playing out on a playground. And every one of these play or every one of these parks will have a fountain like this. It reminds me of the, um, what I want to point. Oh, sorry. Wizard of Oz too. Like the, um, yeah. Yeah. Wizard of Oz. The, um, uh, when the fairy comes down and they, they walk the spiral you know, and then they go off on their journey. There you go. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And it also reminds exactly. me of the spirals, awesome. like the the um that represent the goddess, and and also that are you see all over, and um, you know, pet petroglyphs and um, you know, stones yep. and things, and, and the, yep. And those are always symbolic of portals. And the know? life force. And you bring up the Wizard of Oz. Yeah. The life force, absolutely. And the Wizard of Oz vortex, I mean, here you go. They always have rainbow lights to go along with these vortex fountains. Almost every city I can think of that has these parks, Columbus, Chicago, Detroit, St. Louis, they all have this exact rainbow fountain for the kids to play in. But the reason I'm showing this park is because I'm in a minute, I'm going to show you some of these buildings and the symbolism that only makes sense pretty much when you stand on top of this mound right or right here on the riverfront. But since we were talking about the Capitol, let's briefly look at the Capitol again. And I looked at the dome just like Mark and same thing. As above, so below. On the Capitol dome, you have the pentagram directly below it. You have the pentagram within a pentagram, like Mark was saying. So obvious symbolism yeah. as above, so below. Well, not just that, but the, the dome, which is extending up into the sky, is opposed by the other, the rotunda that's like literally sinking into the ground, right? I didn't even connect the, I didn't know that that seal yeah. was directly under the, I'm glad you mentioned that, because now it's like three, really, three different mm-hmm. seals. Uh, one exactly. in the middle one in the upper realm and one in the lower realm. Exactly. Exactly, man. Got one in the dome, one directly below the dome, and then one right outside in the inverted rotunda. So mm. th- the symbolism is everywhere. And on top of the dome, you have this sculpture of Columbia, is what it's supposed to be, holding mm. another star. Now, did you catch the and story? This is when they first... 
Go ahead. Go ahead. Sorry. No, no, please. Well, did you catch that they replaced that one? So I guess uh, at some point in time they decided it was, you know, too old. It was kind of deteriorating. So they they craned the first one down and then they had to get the help from like the Texas Coast Guard, I think, because they were the only ones with a helicopter strong enough to lift the 300-pound new statue on top of the rotunda. So, yeah, now they have a new one that's like even i think it's made out of a special type of mineral um so i wonder maybe if there's like an alchemical uh connection there with like changing it from one material to another you know yeah i'm not sure i haven't heard that story actually um the what the one thing i noticed though and i believe i mean this is obviously a relatively newer depiction so i assume this is after they put the new one up there so I assume this is the old one, but but here's what I want to point out. Look close at this face. I mean, first look at the building. What a beautiful building! Mm-hmm. Now, when you look close at this face, oh my it just god, seems like they botched it. <laughs> looks like a man. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? It almost and looks I more like this is the new one. It almost looks more like Augustus, the Caesar yeah. Augustus, than you know, it does the. The lady it's supposed to resemble. I don't think that's a that's the new one. I just by the photo quality in that, I'm gonna <laughs> guess that that's probably a 70s, 80s. Think that's the old one. Yeah. Well, just look at the the background. I, I mean, it could I be an old so. camera, but if you kind of look at like the way the scenery looks, kind of looks like an old movie. Yeah. I don't know. I I hope so because as beautiful <laughs> as the building was, you know that that's a botch job. But I'll get back to her, him in just a minute because the symbolism might mean something else. But like Mark was pointing out, as above, so below, right, right. out front, you have yep. a sunken rotunda that's an identical inverted copy of the inside rotunda. On the floor, you have another pentagram. And there are, I forgot how many, but just a huge amount of underground office space. This whole project was supposed to be to add more office space to the Capitol. But once again, it's as above, so below. Here's inside the underground area. And just like Mark, you know, that's what came to my mind also as above so below mm. when when they when they do this they're trying to make a connection between realms between this realm and the other realms i mean they are creating a portal and using this symbolism as a catalyst for all intents and purposes mm. so i think you did find a picture so, of the new one because the new one was replaced by so it was a replica it wasn't supposedly different so if they botched the first one they said nope it's it's classic it's it's uh what's the word (laughs) it's uh whatever um but yeah so the new one that's the new one there um but the old one is in the bullock texas state history museum okay okay so you know we looked briefly at the dome we looked briefly at the inverted rotunda now if you follow that axis directly north right up to the the university campus nice it takes you to this building and this is an art installation right at the entrance to the campus and it's called austin that's the name of it 
and it's by a gentleman named Ellsworth Kelly, and it is a temple of light for all intents purposes. Wow. The guy who created this was an atheist, and there's no religion assigned to this building whatsoever. So literally a temple of light that says the structure is clad with 1,569 limestone panels from Spain. What? The interior stone flooring in a plaza is granite from Georgia. The entry door is made from a native Texas live oak tree mark, and it has 33 mouth-blown glass windows. <laughs> and they're called the Color Grid, the Starburst, and the Tumbling Squares. And like I said, it's just a temple of light. You go in here. And you absorb wow. these different frequencies from these 33 stained glass windows. Limestone building. I mean, when I go to Austin, I'm going here. Limestone building, granite floors, Rainbows. and rainbow colors just <laughs> illuminating everywhere. I, I think it's funny that they you emphasize know? that the limestone yeah. is from Spain, even though Austin is a fucking huge limestone quarry itself. Mm. literally they have their own cement like austin cement is a limestone heavy like the history of this town is because of the limestone right. so why and right. but they got it from spain like that's that seems like some propaganda you know, that's <laughs> hilarious yeah. Yeah. I, I think it's bragging rights you know a lot, a lot of these buildings like this they'll be like, i got the floor from spain and i got the ceiling <laughs> from <laughs> africa you know, and they'll just, I think a lot of it's bragging rights, Yeah. But, you know, for all, for our, our query, we got a, a limestone building with granite floors and rainbow spectrums blasting throughout where we can go in there and absorb them in an environment that's non-religious, which is very unusual. You know, we can just call it a spiritual experience. It doesn't even have to be religious. Especially when the, so, the base of cathedrals is built as a cross and the foundation sure. of this place is also a cross mm. shape. Yeah. Like they're, they're playing on all the cards exactly. there. Like that's so beautiful. They're, they're playing on all their cards and it's a cross. It's a crossing point. We can look at a crossing point as a portal or an X portal or a cross portal, you know? So the, yeah, they're playing on all the points. And remember the Capitol building was pointing to that structure right so and now, that, that structure got me on this rainbow spectrum oh good mark well before we get away from the talk about granite and limestone um it is interesting to note that the state capitol building was built from uh pink granite that they got or sunset granite it's another term yeah. for it that they got from Marble Falls, Texas. That's the, uh, oh. the state <gasps> capital. But they origi originally wanted to get it from another place, but there's too much iron in the in the granite, so they didn't want it to look too rusty. Um, there's one other thing that I had mm. queued up, I was about to say, on that note, but uh, now it's escaping me. I don't want it to look too rusty. <laughs> yeah. But no, it's definitely you know a yeah, good really sign. It has a rusty color too. Yeah, it's always a good sign when you have limestone in an area, right? Like people tend to build civilizations mm -hmm. in limestone areas. But the the limestone. Oh, here's what I was gonna say. So the limestone initially was gonna be quarried from Oak Hill, but they decided not to because it had too much iron in it. 
oak. Yeah. Or from all the oak nuts and the tannins. There's the oak again. Oaken. Okanaten. Also, the state capital was the largest barter trade in uh, recorded history. The people who built the Texas state capital, they traded the work for land. So most of the Texas panhandle was given to the guys who helped build the builders of the original capital building. And that became the largest cattle ranch in the world. XIT Ranch. So the people who built the original, I don't know about, about XIT? The, yeah, the current Capitol building isn't included in that deal. The original Capitol building was much smaller and had more of a federal style. The one that is now the Capitol building has like an Italian Renaissance architectural style. But yeah, the largest the largest barter transaction in recorded history, folks. Oh, bro. Big it, Texas money, bro. Yeah, Texas is big. Wow. They get they get a lot of bigs. Oh, and the other thing, I'm just jumping all around here. When they built the Texas State Capitol, it was billed as the seventh largest building in the world. I don't think that that's, that was actually true, but I think it's larger than the United States Capitol building, though. Yeah, well, and they, is, I think they... I think they were playing yeah. on the seven, though. Like, there's something about the seven. Oh, we're the seventh mm. largest in the world. The seven wonders of mm-hmm. the world. You know, like I think they, they were just being kind of, they're fibbing in order to get that seven energy. You know. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So that's all I have to say for now. Nice. We had another portal point here, man. So. Yeah, another. After I seen, see, at, at the park, we seen the rainbow fountain, and then that led us, went to uh, see the well, rainbow. Well, there's seven colors the of college, a rainbow. The rainbow cross. There's seven colors of the rainbow. There's that seven energy. There's seven chakras, seven colors of the rainbow. So I, ty- you know, typed in Austin rainbow to see what else would pop up, and this is what popped up. This is a relatively new piece. And it's called a Toss Seti. And according to the artist, it's named for a star in the constellation of Cetus. And it shares a similar infrared spectrum to our solar system's sun. So according to the artist himself, we have, you know, this artwork sharing spectrums of other realms. You know, and you can go and stand right at the base of it and you get different perspectives. Yeah, like a number. showing how this rainbow energy it's around austin you know it wow. seems to be quite prevalent around austin mm. oh she was talking yeah. about that purple crown yeah. did, did anybody look into the purple out. crown oh those owls mm. she was saying there's like that purple crown and, and beauty yeah, i didn't look into it i kind of wanted to save that for her yeah yeah yeah, yeah. Yep, yep, i think yep. she kind of wanted to talk about that a little bit so i didn't want to you know but she did talk about the owls which led me down a rabbit hole, you know. Uh-oh. I once again just Googled Austin Owls to see what pops up, and you had the owls next to the butterfly bridge that she pointed out. And, of course, they stand on these dodecahedrons and these pentagons right here. We could, you know, put pentagrams inside of them and have these owls standing on top of these pentagrams. But Austin Owls (laughs) is also a basketball team. Oh, and I always like to check the graffiti because the graffiti is the pulse of what's in town. There's owl graffiti all over town. 
Wow. All over town. Tara and I just saw an owl. Some beautiful owl owl graffiti. An owl swooped in front of our car this week, like uh, a few days ago. Oh, she got the Austin eyes watching you, bro. Yeah. That's crazy. Dude, I seen one. I went to Detroit yesterday and seen one just sitting in this tree staring at me as I drove by. Oh, wow. And then today when I picked up my son from school, the lady standing next to me turned and looked at me to say hi. And she had a neon green shirt with a giant owl just staring at me. (laughs) (laughs) And she wondered why I was staring at her shirt. Wow. (laughs) But... Yeah, this, this owl literally well, got like the reflection one. of the Capitol Dome it in his eyes. I thought that was kind of cool. Uh, but, you know, so, there's sometimes certain things are just meant to be in certain places, and it seems like owls are supposed to be in Austin. And this is a legend in Austin. Typed in Austin Owl, and this is one of the first things that popped up, is there's a legend that this building, the Frost Building, was built to be symbolic of an owl. And coincidentally, Whoa. has wow. thirty-three floors. It does you know once that number keeps popping up? Thirty-three floors. That other building had thirty-three windows. Mm-hmm. And you know, it's very, it's quite similar. You know, it's quite similar, only from certain angles. Huh. But it does have similarities. That's beautiful. I love that enough I, to where I got a whole. Not even that. really a fan oh, of brutalist, but I love it. Yeah, it's cool. And if you look at the eyes of the building, they're almost like vortexes. They look like yellow uh, vortex eyes. Yeah. I thought this was pretty cool. A building, symbolic I, of an owl. owl and I actually yeah. got a hold of Emily and Astor. It's like, what's the deal with the building, <laughs> symbolic of an owl? And what Emily said was, that's only the half of it. <laughs> she says, the building is actually symbolic of Anubis. But it's disguised as an owl. What? Why would they do that? I'm going to say it again. I'm going to say it again. It's symbolic of Anubis, but disguised as an owl. It's hard to even wrap your mind around that. I've never said anything like that before. (laughs) So I haven't got got a chance to get back to her and what she means exactly. It's not that hard to imagine considering Anubis is the sort of like guardian of the underworld and owls have that same reputation right they're sort of syncretistically associated they fly between realms Mm. absolutely absolutely anubis the weigher of the heart at judgment day if your heart was lighter than the feather determined if you could go on to the afterlife or if you had to be reincarnated and you know once she told me that I honestly haven't got back with her and asked her what she meant by it. But the first thing I did is I just started looking for Egyptian symbolism in town to see if I could mm-hmm. come up with anything, you know. And yeah. from the perspective of Butler Park, if you look across the river, there are three buildings capped by pyramids in the exact perfect alignment that the pyramids would be in in Giza. And, I mean... It's it's a stretch, but you know the the one building itself has oh, yeah, three was... pyramids on the pyramid building, uh, almost pointing to it like this is a clue, you know. And the other building, you know, looks like a pyramid. An owl and, in Egyptian. Know, if you look at these buildings uh, from another the perspective, M, right? that I don't know, but I think so. Sorry. 
but I don't, you know, it might be a stretch it, that wouldn't work from other perspectives around town. Only well, looking from this side of the river from Butler park or nearby this, this one image you have here but that reminded me. Oh yeah. Yeah. Can we go back to that previous Wait, image real quick? So on this last slide you have, yeah, you have the, the sort of uh stair like element of the front of the building it kind of reminds me more of the South American pyramids and the Central American pyramids and the way they integrate like the steps and the, the flat sided, yeah. you know, they're kind of a blend between a ziggurat and a, a Egyptian, yeah. what we would call like a Giza pyramid. Right. So. Yeah, exactly. Mm. And it, it makes sense with yeah, like it's more of the, a ziggurat shape. It's the, um, the, like the structure and and how the pyramids are built and what their functioning is meant for like if it's if austin is a a portal city mm. um or mm -hmm. you know these buildings are like what you have on the next slide it looks like like to channel the energy yeah, yeah. I, absolutely it's, it's you know it's the same thing as the capitol building once again it's as above so below and in this case i think it was subconscious i don't think that the architects of these three buildings got together mm -hmm. and said let's do a layout of the giza pyramids i think it happened because it was destiny because it was supposed to most likely i could be wrong yeah, it's really interesting, you know, man. That the owl you had the three pyramids. Yeah, good, Roman. Oh, sorry, I was lagging out a little bit. Uh, the the owl symbolism, yeah, it is blowing my mind because, I mean, just symbolically speaking, it's one it's one of the more magical creatures that exist. You know, like with mm -hmm. so much lore and mystery behind the owl. Um, you know, and it's a cult like. Uh, you know correspondences and it's just yeah so this is it is it's just blowing my mind right now austin austin has hit the threshold man and uh i just love the way how you put slides together man it is so beautiful it makes me feel like a freaking slacker man i need to get my slide game up son you're killing it right now man thank you so much chad yeah, this is great. Say that, so man. we oh, got no the worries, man. Appreciate we it. got the three pyramids. Owls are messengers, dude. I mean, that's yep. right there. Yeah, absolutely. So we got the three Blood pyramids with the spells. goddess above it. Is this Nuit on the left here, and and then we have uh, the goddess of liberty on the right above the pyramids. Uh, this is Osiris on the left. Oh, okay. And they usually use Osiris to represent the constellation of Orion. But I just want to point out uh, in his left hand, he has the scepter. In his right hand, he has the star. Ah. Uh, Oof. This is pretty the lone much star, dude. the same perspective where the capital would be. And remember, this kind of looked like a male looking figure, you know, wow. and here he's holding a scepter mm -hmm. and a star, so to speak. Maybe it's Osiris. It's, it is coincidence and synchronicity, but it fits. Do we have you know? other pictures of Osiris I, paired up next to the goddess of liberty? Well, you got to, 
you got to remember too, like the, the goddess is usually supposed to be de depicted as Isis anyway, a mm -hmm. lot of times. So it's just like, you know, the, there's the Greek correlation. She's the same correlation to Isis and Isis and Osiris after a certain point are also interchangeable. So I think there's that like type of hermetic fluidity of like, you know, because after I, Osiris got separated into pieces and then she had to, you know, insert the golden good the golden phallus that's like the golden shaft she gets interpreted or by this time it could be the star i think i 100 percent, man like i think every time we see lady lady justice it's it's isis worship in my opinion yeah and when, when you see osiris or isis like this in the sky holding the stars representing constellations the egyptians referred to them as star walkers they were walking the dimension of the blessed. And I think this representation of Columbia, I think she's star walking too. She's standing on top of a dome that's as above, so below with the pentagram right below her. I'm not two more pentagrams right below that pentagram in her hand. I think she's star walking and she's star walking, you know, right behind symbolic representations of pyramids, you know, and I, think all of this was possibly destined because I I honestly don't think all of these architects got together and planned this out. You know, I think this happened because it was supposed to most likely. Mm. So that, that is my as above, so below where I, you know, the state capitol as well as these buildings possibly. I just have a few more slides. I like just to look at some of these sculptures and art around town yeah i always check out the graffiti because i think that's a true another owl yeah yeah man they're everywhere i'm telling you where do you see it the, in the this graffiti one? is a true pulse oh, of the it. town right in the middle yeah i see it's it. peeking out at you right where that black line is down the center yeah, yeah 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 so this is called the hope outdoor graffiti gallery and it's a giant pyramid the giant pyramid of graffiti yeah but if i go to austin this will be a place i want to go and check out i love this kind of stuff but this you know the art on these walls will change monthly so it's you always you can catch the vibe of a city at a current time when you go to a place like this so you got some kind of some pyramids up here and you just all kinds of cool stuff the mood of Another a city graffiti around town yeah, you get, I thought this blue cat in his <laughs> purple robe with flying saucers was pretty cool. Oh, yeah. Blue cat. When you, you're going down the rabbit hole, one thing I've noticed is you will find rabbit sculptures. You will find rabbit paintings. Almost every city I looked at will just have a random white rabbit somewhere. <laughs> this one was no different. Great big spider sculpture. I didn't oh. even have a chance to find out the artist's name, but I thought it was pretty pretty cool considering the that. weaving spiders and mm -hmm. yeah, Ooh. Came like up eggs. Oh. Yikes! Yeah, a lot of underworld symbolism. If if we're going this into the owl and we're going into like this, like He's super like shadowy type of uh, portally place, you know, like. Really feel like you're uh, yeah. 
going through like with all the the owls and the bunnies everywhere and subconscious yeah. like you were Oof. saying chad yeah that's it, it. subconscious and, Un- yeah going into underworlds and guys like this we're looking at the upper worlds we're we're combining the two in a city that may be a catalyst between the two i mean that's kind of the conclusion i'm coming up with like emily pointed out i think austin is a gateway experience you know i think that it's taking place you know and this is Tom Friedman's looking up and this this guy has this sculpture all over the world. He has like three or four of these and he moves them around to different cities and different locations. Temporarily? So this was in 2015. Some are temporarily and some stay. Oh, okay. So I was trying to figure out today. I don't know if the one stayed in Austin or if it moved. I'm not sure to tell you the truth. Well, this is but a good opportunity again, to... Well, this is sorry to cut you off. This is a good opportunity to mention something that Michael Wan gave me this idea. I was talking to him on the phone, and I think it's a brilliant idea. So I know you guys are going to love it. Uh, if you're listening from Austin, figure out for us this month of December. We're going to be talking about just Austin, right, guys? So uh, if anybody listening lives in Austin, lives in Texas within a drive of Austin, uh, send us some questions, send us some clues, go around and look at some of the stuff that we're going to be talking about this month and get in touch with us, esotericamericapodcast at gmail.com or on Instagram at esotericamerica. Of course, you can hit us up uh, in our Telegram. Roman's got his own Rising from the Ashes Telegram. I know he's always up in there. And I, of course, mm-hmm. am in the My Family Thinks Some Crazy Telegram. But yeah, definitely a lot of strange art i have some art too that i want to show but continue chaz i just wanted to chad i always want to call you chaz because of the chaz of the dead guy but i know your name is chad uh chad please (laughs) keep keep going uh because i know you got some some interesting stuff here i'm pretty close to the end here i just wanted to bring this guy up because like roman pointed out we have a all this underworld symbolism and I see this guy and I think, you know, he's looking at the upper worlds Mm. and the one thing this sculpture does is if you walk up to the sculpture, you're going to look up and then you're going to look up higher to see what he's looking at. (laughs) So it's the same, same symbolism. Uh, And once again, he's 33 feet tall. There's that number again. And he's oh. he's a giant. He's a thirty-three foot tall giant with a elongated skull. <laughs> you know, for all Holy purposes. shit! Did That's you find out anything is. on this artist you specifically? Know, he's he's looking up at the heavens. The artist. Did you get anything on this guy? No, not. I didn't really have time to dig into any of the artists. Really, like the spider. I don't even know who made it yet. Um, all I got to the point was his name and that this monument he has several of them and he moves them around like right now i know for a fact there's one downtown new york wow somewhere and uh yeah that's I'm about all I know at he, this point i wonder if he lines it up like celestially like specifically because he's looking up at something so i wonder if it's you know like ex- um, like at a certain time he's moving them around to the town because he's following some sort of sky map of sorts like that's kind of very curious about this guy. Now I'm going to have to look up the, who this artist is. Cause that's, that's super cool, man. That's uh super cool. That's super cool, man. I love yeah, that. I wouldn't man. be surprised. 
Roman, would you do me a favor and uh, open up? That's what I got for this week. Right on. That was awesome. That was amazing. Roman, as always. Could you open up the first uh, message I just sent in the chat, the one that says uh, Landmarks Circle Tower? Absolutely. So, yeah, please share your screen. Show us where I'll take us through because if I share my screen, it's going to be another mess over here. So, just share those links I have in the chat because a few of them are definitely interesting. I was surprised to not see these in uh, what you had to have, uh, what you had to share, Chad. So this is the circle tower, uh, eight-sided, uh, sort of portal-like in a way. Uh, nice. The next one is another portal. If you go to the next uh, chat submission, Roman, uh, the one that says square tilt. Oh, another site, not like on on the same site. Oh, yeah, no, I... It's, they're all just links in the chat that I, in the Zoom oh, chat. Oh, I only opened up one. My, I'm so terrible. Hold on. It's all right. Give me one more sec here. Shablap. And one more second. Oh, shablap. Sometimes you have to uh, shablap in the open air to make the portals come quicker, you know? Here we are. <laughs> this one. Yes. Yeah, so this one, the artist explicitly says it is a portal. It's designed to be a portal. A lot of his work is uh, portal, like Joel Perlman. Uh, I don't Joel know Perlman. I don't know where this <laughs> is. Uh, oh, it's on the University of, of Texas campus. Ah, oh, there we Austin. go. And interesting to point out that the um, the next one that I have, you, you can pull up the Littlefield Fountain is right in that same line of sight that you just showed us yeah. Chad with the um with that yeah. outdoor sculpture yep. or, or outdoor art exhibit the light exactly. church. So this is very interesting. Uh, initially there was supposed mm-hmm. to be a obelisk uh behind these characters in the center there uh but because of the um time period people were kind of upset that they were depicting Confederate heroes in these statues and there's a bunch of uh memorials to the confederate troops mm-hmm. and all these different confederate figures along the texas state capitol and the texas university um the other one that i pulled up roman the hiker uh if you show this yeah so the hiker is really interesting because hikers the term hiker comes from the soldiers that participated in the mexican American War, the Philippines War, and or I'm sorry, the Spanish American War, uh, the Philippine American War, and um, and their and the Boxer Rebellion in China, but they have them originally at the University of Minnesota, and there's a bunch in Michigan too. Um, I recently learned about this through Stephen Snyder, past guest on our show, his podcast, The Farm. Mach 2, he had a guest on from Michigan who was talking about all the strange military fascism connections in Michigan, and he was talking about this hiker statue and how the hikers were uh, these guys who were rugged and they'd go out and fight these wars, kind of like mercenaries to a certain extent. Um, I don't know if they were explicitly mercenaries, but they still, they had that kind of Um, reputation of being like rugged and tough and going to these sort of small skirmish type wars Um, but yeah the hiker I think there's going to be a theme with this on this show 
Uh, if you live in an area where you have a hiker statue, look into it and see why, see what the story is. And maybe we'll find out over the course of this show that there's like a reason why the hikers are in certain places. Maybe there's like a, a pattern or something that emerges. I don't know, but I think it's... They have the coordinates exactly for like each of them to all the parallels. Yeah. All of them. Yeah. It, well, it'd be easy for someone to plot out if they wanted to take the time to put it on the map. Oh, I see Shimokin, Pennsylvania. I like that place. Um yeah, so a lot of there's definitely a lot of them all over the place, and I'm I'm just pointing that out now that I think we're gonna see these hiker statues come up uh, in future episodes. But yeah, there's a hiker statue on the um, Capitol building, state grounds, amongst many other pieces of outdoor art, public art. Um, Man, I, and I then the talk other about one, this one for a second. Well, this before tight. before we get to this one, uh, there's the seven Mustangs. I don't think I sent you a link for that one, Roman. But um, the seven Mustangs is another example of this seven symbology. We have the six seals, right? Yep. Seven, uh, the seventh largest, you know, and then the seven Mustangs. So, and I think the six seals, although it is the number six, the whole seal itself could be thought of as one so that would be the seven in in a certain understanding of numbers so yeah the horseman is definitely uh an apocalyptic symbol right but it's also um a sagittarian symbol for like you know balancing the mind and the body uh anytime you see like a horse a horseman mm -hmm. there's like seven isn't there seven rays of in Astrology and theosophy, yes. there's seven rays of ascension. Yeah. 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 Uh, and esoteric astrology, which is like a cool group of uh, astrologers, they, they are like, they're like theosophist, mm. but astrologist. Mm. And then they, they have this thing called literally called esoteric astrology. And they, they've been making documentaries for the past um, 20, 30 years, but they're really good. Uh, and that is a thing in the in that it's called the seven rays. Yeah, Super yeah. Cute. Um, but I was going to say too the the there's a lot of lore of horse like the horsemen were what the guys who like conquistadored their way into Texas like the known as the four horsemen. Mm. Um, and I found that story kind of coming up again and again when I was looking up you know the the history of Austin and. Um, so I think that was really interesting seeing like them riding out of the water as if, you know, we're talking about there being like that hermetic up and down that kind of like that focal point of like this energy where, uh, what is this here? Oh, the seven horses. That's just, that's oh. what I thought of when we were thinking of horses and the forces. Kind of looks like yeah. the statue too. Sagittarius. The it looks like the Littleton fountain and a little field fountain. Yeah, straight up, straight up. The uh, um, and the spider too. I mean, you know, it's like kind of symbolic. It can be like Odin was known to like ride his eight-legged horse, and it was a black horse. You know, sounds a lot like a spider, and that was what how he would like his Merkabah traveling throughout the Yggdrasil or throughout the universe. So there's that spider portal symbolism, horse, eight-legged horse symbolism. You know, which uh, is 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 there when it like you know with the capital rotunda of the 
George Washington and the Odin crossover. It's like, there's a lot of this Norse worship uh, and the heavy occult man. Like, but it's like, it's kind of, you know, like a lot of it's Greek, but then, you know, they have this like Odin worship, like kind of tied throughout as a theme, which is really interesting. Uh, Like the Greek and the, and the Norse, you know, I don't know. I don't know. I'm just saying shit over here, man. Well, yeah, it's definitely. There's also that eight, the the Greek eight winds tower. Ooh, yeah. That's in the magic book. Yeah. What what do you, what's the connection? Magic. I don't remember. Magic in the landscape book. Oh, I know. What's, what do you what do you think that we're talking about? Oh, just like I don't because we were talking about eight uh, horses, forces, like I was saying, or eight and what we were what we were saying right Augustus was known as Octavius and Augustus Augustine Austin Octavius eight Caesar you know okay maybe Augustine yeah 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 Austin Augustine yeah there it is yeah yeah okay so eight and then and then that was he's he's you were the four Roman. emperors weird assassinated in 44 bc <laughs> Roman, pull stuff. up the uh pull up the little field fountain Two, again three. the picture of the little field fountain so it's a figure of columbia that's who's depicted is columbia mm-hmm. and uh there's an eagle somewhere there. I don't know where. I don't see the eagle. Maybe it's just this angle. Um, there, there's also a... Oh, it's a ship. There's like a ship behind those horses. Um, and they're actually not horses. They're called hippo camps, two of which are mounted by mermen. Oh. Wow. Okay, so we're looking at mm-hmm. three hippo Whoa. camps mounted, two oh, of them yeah. mounted by mermen. Um, the group represents American armed forces sailing overseas to defend d- democracy in the Great War, surrounded by symbols of American strength and unity. The limestone wall behind the fountain bears two bronze plaques. One is d- inscribed, These sons and daughters of the University of Texas gave their lives to Whoa. their country in the World War, followed by two columns of <laughs> names listing all uni- uh, University of Texas students and alumni killed in the Great War. Wasn't the University of Texas the first campus where there was a school shooter? Am I remembering that incorrectly? Yes, nineteen sixty-six. So I just—it's yeah. fascinating how many war monuments are on this in this area of of Austin, like from the from the Capitol building to the University campus, which are obviously, as we saw earlier, aligned with each other in a straight line. Um, and there's all these war monuments, just men with guns, guys on horses, you know, like all of this stuff. And it really speaks to what Ross Ben talks about with his Philadelphia, um, 
concepts of like the living artwork like statues being like living art mm -hmm. in the city and how it's in water it's in moving water so it's like literally well, moving this one yeah but i mean all of the other ones too like the ones the guys holding guns and whatnot i mean those are literally uh yeah. if we're if we're following yeah. the line of logic like those statues are inhabited by spirits you know of some kind whether it's the it's the, a homunculi <laughs> well whether it's like the the ghost of the confederate soldier it's depicting or whether it's like some kind of like ancient energy archetype that mm -hmm. the art is sort of hinting at whether it's like the god or goddess columbia or some sort of egyptian parallel to her i mean who knows there's so many different interpretations of art and mythology in that way but um it's definitely definitely makes you think i have a list over here of like all of the public art in the area and it's a big list yeah there's a lot of nice. stuff there's like uh, at least 50 to 60 different outdoor sculptures in this one small area of austin texas there's even a willie nelson statue <laughs> oh yeah that's a whole other thing we didn't even get into is like the giant music worship that goes on here and that whole, you know, uh, that, that, that's, a, that's very relevant, uh, re relevant to, you know, the animation and the life and the energy and kind of like using this heavy energy. It's here. I mean, I try to look at what parallel this was on. It's not on the 33rd parallel, but it is on the 30th parallel. And, you know, um, I think that there's still a lot of that, you know, heavy electromagnetic energy going on, especially if this used to be a limestone quarry, uh, used to be the home of ancient pre, you know, historic, very ancient lands and mammoths and all the, all the things. And then, you know, uh, possibly even like, you know, the remnants of Atlantean goodness, you know, the, the time, the antediluvian world. Like, I think, I think Texas probably was, um, one of these major, major lands, man. And people find so much stuff when they, uh, you can like go still find a bunch of Clovis points all around Texas. You know, people find things all the time. One episode we got to do at some point, y'all is Chaco Canyon, mm. Chaco Canyon in New Mexico. Mm. Yeah, no, that, I just that up. Yeah. We were looking through a book earlier on, uh, ancient america and i'm like where's chaco canyon oh okay not in texas but <laughs> definitely <laughs> interesting uh interesting sink there uh definitely um yeah i think he just bought property right outside chaco canyon he's like come on through yeah okay cool well i think i think if you guys agree can you not do that sorry um if you guys agree we'll talk about austin for the rest of the month i think it's a fascinating place uh like i said we could have our audience whoever's listening uh youtube or on the podcast hit us up let us know what you think of austin even if you're not from there or close to there you could still write in questions if you have any so please participate we'd love to include as many people as we can as we survey esoteric america um, but I think we're about at the end for Austin today. I think we'll go back to Austin next episode and, uh, and yeah, we'll see what comes next. Cause we just sort of touched on a bunch of stuff today. I'm sure there's still more to get into. What do you guys think? I didn't even go through half of my tabs, dude. <laughs> there's plenty more. Right on. 
Right on. All right. Well, final thoughts before we wrap up. Anybody? Uh, Chad. I think it's cool, man, how we all came in separately, did some history, did some modern art and architecture. I like this format where we, we do our separate things and bring it together and see how it all correlates. It was a pretty cool show. Look forward to doing it again. I had a fun time doing it this whole week, you know, so I like this format. Mm. Me too. Me too. Great. Yeah. I, I, uh, I definitely enjoy like that really, uh, specific i have a very specific way i like to look up stuff of towns and, and i figure it out and like i really find find myself just getting hooked on all these like old white dudes that were just like they're, they're all masons basically but <laughs> mm. um i'll stick to that wow. stuff uh because uh, it's it's fun and uh anyways i had a great time you guys are the best thank you everybody for listening thank you guys this is a, a sweet little family community here and we're coming all over. We're going. We're going all over the country, and it's amazing. Yeah, we so, got a question yeah. on your uh, slow burn Sunday from a listener. Shout out to Morgan. She said, "Are you guys gonna do every state?" And I was like, "Yeah, if we have time, we're gonna get to every state eventually." Uh, mm-hmm. You know, we're going town by town. So if we can get uh, a town in every state by you know the first year of doing this, it'll be cool. But we don't really have any kind of. Uh, expectations like that we're just gonna go with whatever comes to us right i mean emily wanted to talk about austin that got us into this austin stuff i i say we have so much more to cover because like austin has this reputation especially nowadays for being weird right it's keep austin weird maybe it was weirder Mm. in the past so i think i'm gonna dig into like this counterculture the subculture of austin and see if we find anything it's also interesting to note that the tejanos of texas uh that word uh eventually Mm -hmm. became the word texan and it originally meant uh friends or allies it comes from the Cado people's language the Cado people were the ones that built the uh mounds out in that portion of texas that we were talking about towards the beginning so yeah texas it means friends i want to say one thing uh also that's amazing thank you mark uh because we're all friends and that's why i love 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 texas uh but uh when when it comes to like the keep austin weird slogan that's the same slogan that has been going on in portland for Mm. at least a bare minimum of like of 25 years. So you're trying so to say that know. Austin stole keep uh, keep it weird from Portland? Well, no, this well, the, Are the you trying to start this, a city to city beef this, on this show right this, now? The seek is this. No, remember I told you guys I found a bunch of really great. First of all, hey, I am from Portland, okay? I know. I'm from that town. So obviously, I know right, you're you know, from Portland, Hawaii, you're from Check California. Listen, 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 listen. Listen. Okay, so here's the name sink, and then this is the last one I want to do. So I was telling you guys about the the guy who fell off of uh, the rotunda while he was painting it and died. Oh, yeah, right? you told us. Um, and there's this crack in the middle of the floor, in the middle of the star. The star in the middle of the, rotu- uh, the Capitol building floor is cracked. Um, but he fell 14. There's a, there, your reduction four again. Um he fell uh, 14 years before the floor was actually made, but 
there's still a crack there. So the crack didn't come from him, but it is the spot that he died. And so it's very weird that the crack came later after he had died 14 years later, supposedly. Um, but the sink is, that's funny, is his name was Ed Wheeler. And the mayor of Portland famously for, for years, the most famous Portland mayor is Ted Wheeler. Um, huh. So I thought that was kind well, of Well, the funny. guy who designed uh, Austin was Ed Waller. So you have Ed Waller who builds Austin, Ed. and then you have Ed Wheeler oh. who sacrifices himself while painting the mm-hmm. Capitol Rotunda. That crack, too, when you said that, it made me think of the uh, Barclones fault that is like this ancient, you know, fissure crack into the surface of Texas just showing like how old and unchanged that place is, you know? Well, that's see, that's interesting too, because there's a lot of talk about Texas being just like almost completely hollow anyway. Um, you know, with all of these salt caverns they have there, these, these old, uh, just hollow pockets that are all throughout Texas. And then it having like, you know, both it has like the water that erodes in and you know some say there's there's definite tunnels underneath the capitol building there's a lot of lore of like obviously they have that that rotunda that faces down which is really fascinating but um there's stories that there's a bunch of spanish gold stashed underneath the capitol building and so you have this crack in the floor being like oh is this fucking hollow like why is this crack like why can't you guys fix this crack this should be easy yet you're keeping the crack around and somebody died right on that fucking spot well it's um, like it's like the uh the old thing they did in uh temples where they would sacrifice a spirit to or a person to be the spirit of the temple i mean they still do it in thailand i think i've said that on this show before straight up yeah S- straight up so that was fun ed wheeler ted wheeler and there's another Ed Wheeler who's like a who was a famous uh, baseball player too. Name sinks like people fill their archetypal roles by what names they have, no matter what. You know, it's a part of the cosmic code, part of the emulation, man. Okay, your name plays an important part of it, so you gotta own it. You gotta take your name and you gotta shape it to be yours, baby, because you can change it. You can transmute it. You can shape it. You can shift it. Mm. You know, yeah, you've shifted your name from Roman to Broman. No, <laughs> no, 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 no. You gotta edit that part out, man. It's terrible. <laughs> you know what I mean? See, here's the deal. <laughs> I have trauma with that name. Okay, specifically. Okay. No, it's cool. It's like, hey, it's Roman, my Broman. What's up? <laughs> all right. See, when you use it in a flow like that, it's pretty cool. Yeah, that's all. But anyways. <laughs> All right. Well, Tara, Chad, any final thoughts before we wrap up here? Well, I enjoyed it, guys. Yeah. Look forward to next week it and seeing what everybody digs up. Tasting the yep. rainbow. Yeah, chasing the rainbow. Hey, Tara, I feel like you're like trying to hype man Chad there. You're like, yeah, <laughs> tasting the rainbow. Uh, okay, well, I love it. I'll take it. Yeah, yeah. Too, too, Chad. Yeah, yeah, right. Yeah. Oh, yeah. it's just the way you, you you jumped in on it, how he was saying it. It's great. Let's find more portal symbolism. Let's go. All the portals. Like, let's just, yeah, let's keep following the, the Stargate portals, man, because that's. that's that's where we're headed, baby. Mm. Very, very soon. Well, ladies and gentlemen listening, thank you for tuning in to Esoteric America and enjoy your 
exploration of wherever you find yourself in this esoteric America. Like I said, get in touch with us on Instagram, esoteric America, or at Gmail, esoteric America podcast at gmail.com. Peace.